don't I don't think we need to talk about it. It was a playoff elimination game of our hometown team playing. Of course, we need to talk about it. I don't want to. I don't want to. I don't really want to talk about it either, buddy. But we got to talk about it. I don't, I don't want to talk about my their, their problem. Wait, your problem? The Leafs. The Leafs. The, the, they, they have a problem. It, but they have the problem, but you were okay. You knew going into this game with a chance to clinch a playoff series, the Leafs were going to lose that game, right? I did. But they were up. And like after that, those two goals by Johnny, a guy who got slammed the first four games of the series, came back, pushed himself, brought them to the lead. I thought they were, and then no, you just, you knew they were going to lose that game. Yeah, but the Leafs going into the third period of a playoff elimination game with a lead, you know they're going to blow that lead, right? I did. And you knew when the Bolts got that five on three with a minute 45 to go, you knew the Bolts were going to tie it. You weren't holding your breath, hoping the Leafs would somehow kill that five on three, right? No, that was inevitable. And when the game was going into OT, you remembered last year against the Habs, those two OT games, you remember going all the way back to that 4-1 collapse against the Bruins. We still blew the OT. This team doesn't win OT playoff elimination games. You know that, right? Absolutely, but I still thought they were going to win. And then deep down, I, I knew they weren't. Oh, man, I think you do have a problem. It, it seems like you're starting to believe um, this can cause serious harm, but we're catching it early here. We're going to get you through this. We better because I can't go through this again. Look, insomnia, the anxiety, the extreme irritability, the temptation to just start crying in any place. Uh, this is terrible for you. The hysteria, it, it's very easy to avoid. You're with me, right? Yeah, I mean, you're right. All right, I want you to say it with me. No matter how big of a lead the Leafs have in game seven, I will not believe. No matter how big of a lead the Leafs have in Game 7, even if it is bigger than 4-1, I will not start to believe. There we go. Feeling better? No, not at all. Hello, and welcome to another Sports Next Door podcast. My name is Owen. Today is Friday the 13th of May, and I'm joined, as I always am, by my neighbor Max. They already heard our, our intro there, but how are you feeling, my friend? Uh, honestly, right now, I'm kind of just blown away by being in a tank top and having an air conditioner going. It hit friggin' 30 degrees today. Um, so that's been a nice distraction from last night. How about, I know how you're doing, but why don't you tell uh, our listeners how you're doing? Oh yeah, it, uh, it's been quite a week for me. And last night was especially dreadful and thought the Leafs could pull it off. They didn't. And then 24 hours later, nice positive 
COVID test to just provide another kick to the face while I'm lying on the ground, just shivering in the pain and <laughs> terror of Leafs fandom. That doesn't even get into the one a.m. bedtime and the 6 a.m. wake-up time. Um, but unfortunately, we've got too many sports to touch on to really get into that. The playoff role continues in the hockey and basketball world uh, with these both series kind of starting to wrap up as we get to the respective ends of the first and second rounds. So as will be the case for the next month, I, I don't playoffs is just a haze i don't want to think about how long it lasts just enjoy it as it goes um mostly that bit of tennis notes and i don't know if there will be anything else at the end but uh getting back to our first ever cold open the leafs and a visiting game the defending champs on elimination this team has not lost back-to-back playoff games in their run um the streak that was going to be really tough to beat. And all joking aside, I thought the Leafs put up a great effort. I thought it was a fun game. They gave themselves as good of a chance to win as you could. Uh, that's back-to-back two-goal deficits they've come back from, which I just, for nothing else, I love to see the improvements from game that game four blowout loss. But in the end, um, <laughs> the Leafs are going to leaf and another game lost. Uh, how far into this one do you want to get? This is the same as Montreal. They came back in those games. Mm. This is the same as Columbus. They came back in those games, but it doesn't matter if you can't seal the deal. The two stats, Tampa Bay, 17-0 and after a playoff loss now since they got swept by Columbus. And the Leafs, since 2013, are 0-9 in series clinching games. Nine straight losses. It's, it's unfathomable. I have a colleague at work, massive Boston Bruins fan. Like, I just, I wonder what it's like to have confidence in your team to win an important game because we just have never seen it from this team. And John Tavares showed up for a minute and looked pretty good most of the game besides that. Austin Matthews scored. Nylander like was there and the, like their big boys were buzzing and just somehow, some way they don't get it done. And it's, it's just, it's completely disheartening. We always seem to run the, run the lap and back to once we're where we once were again. It, I do get a bit sick of trying to have these wholesome participation. At least they gave it takeaways and it's rough because I love so much of the progress I'm seeing from this team. The, there are improvements to year to year, but it just seems like they don't ma- matter. Jack Campbell gave us every chance to win. I think Johnny Tavares has been quietly brilliant all series. Those couple minutes at the end of the second, really putting some oomph on it, but a league leading second best in face-offs through these playoffs. Um, he's been the most trustworthy guy i think to make a play on the breakout to whether that's a dump chip it off the boards get it away from the double team um just don't turn it over get a decent break 
He's done such a wonderful job of that all series. Uh, Nylander, two assists, pretty instrumental, especially on that second Tavares goal. Uh, he had some other close looks. Matthews won. The big boys stepped up. Uh, Jake Muzzin, TJ Brody, Morgan Riley, all fantastic. Uh, like always backs on the back pedal. No like three on twos, one on ones, bad plays. It, it was just those two breakaways um, that five on three, of course. Um, I hate to really single out one player when I feel like this franchise is just cursed, but do have to talk about uh, Kerfoot because a giveaway that leads to a goal, taking the penalty that gives the five on three, and then uh, not scoring on the best scoring chance we had in that OT. Johnny Tavares setting him up really slickly for, I wouldn't call it a breakaway. He had about two seconds to make a play. But uh, after all those mistakes, it sure would have been good to redeem them and clinch the series. And I can't even hold it against him with so much mass of curse and bad luck on his stick in just two seconds how on earth could he overcome that uh the other thought is just the other reason i didn't have a lot of hope going into this game is andre vasilevsky had just been too pedestrian throughout these series no brutal mistakes um or like really truly awful games uh, some quiet brilliance at times to keep it this team in it but it was really going to take something special to put it over the hump and i didn't have the confidence that it was going to happen and sure enough he stood really tall and big in the third period i thought we had a couple b plus a minus scoring chances that he uh really stood up well to and of course victor hedman is just terrifying um I, I don't think I've seen a Leaf get around him all series. Um, so going into game seven, I I don't know what we've got come going for us to overcome that. Uh, yeah, I don't know. We, we felt like this team was different and they very well could be. But from what we've seen the last couple of years is they actually don't show up at all. In, in in elimination games. Like their game seven performance against Montreal last year was pathetic. Their game five performance against Columbus was pathetic. Their game seven performance in 2019 against Boston was, it left a lot to be desired. So this is once again, a franchise defining moment, just as game five was, they rose to the task in that one. But it, game seven is just a completely different animal, right? And it's what you live for in sports. But if you're the Leafs, like it, it's going to give you an allergic reaction at this point. So I have very little faith, yet I will still cheer for them with every fiber in my being as, as it is um, and, and let the chips fall where they may. But do not be surprised if you see people tapping out, if they come out flat in this first period tomorrow night. Yeah, I think home ice advantage will be, there will be something there. Um, this is a fan base that is desperate and that has showed in the home games the Leafs have had to what I would call a near 100% positive effect. Um, 
They have really tried to rally this team. They haven't been quitting at the first signs of struggle. Jack Campbell has been solid this series, and I'm optimistic that'll continue in game seven. We'll have a chance. The big boys, the top four, are all going. The defense, like I said, has been there. The foundation is there. Everything is in place. There's no holes. There's no playoff inexperience. There's no glaring weakness that we've just been hoping they won't look at, tap at, and explore that's going to come crumbling up. Yeah, sign me up for another world of disappointment. I'm a little hopeful and ready to be heard again. Yep. Well, we'll see. We might have to do our first emergency pod on that one. I don't know if I can wait till Monday night to talk about it if it happens Saturday night, but it's it's more feasible now with, with me being in isolation for sure. So, all right. So we'll get to that again as it happens uh until then i i don't know how many other hockey notes you have um the big one on my radar the rangers penguins game which is just getting underway as is that three three now or no the penguins are up three two um looking to close this one out Crosby getting injured in the last one and the penguins blowing a two-goal lead shortly after the rangers take it in ot Uh, So that one should be exciting. Then the Wild are out. The Blues took them out. And that series was the most um, playoff-y of all the 2022 playoffs so far. Just absolute blowouts every game. And ultimately the special teams a lot more consistent for St. Louis and Bennington sealing the deal there. Uh, the Oilers tie it up 3-3 so that's going to be another fun game seven right after and uh, Boston to our surprise has also clawed its way back uh, taking full advantage of the home ice that should be a fun game seven Uh, what else oh yeah and then the Panthers who were down 3-1 I think score five unanswered to take a series lead against the Capitals and yeah a series I thought that the Capitals seem to have all the momentum in the Absolutely. Panthers looking to close out, which really is no surprise. This is a team that is built to beat the Lightning and then go on and win the Cup. Uh, Calgary, Dallas, Calgary up 3-2. Have I gotten them all? I think so. I think you've, you've hit on, on them all. Good job. Yeah, that, no notes. We're just freestyling this one. And a lot more time to watch them tomorrow. We got uh, Boston, Carolina in the afternoon. Leafs Lightning, prime time, 7.30. And then the Oilers and the Kings wrap things up at 10. And uh, I, I'll i say home teams taken two of those three, and I'll let you decide which one I'm pessimistic <laughs> on. All right. Uh, last bit of hockey news as if things couldn't get any better for the Toronto Maple Leafs. Just down the way, Les Habitants winning the NHL draft lottery and the honor of selecting, most likely, Shane Wright with the first overall pick uh, in the upcoming NHL draft. The kid is a stud. We saw his skills on display at the World Juniors most recently. Um, Really talented player. 
obviously a little bit overshadowed by Connor Bedard coming up behind him next year, but a fantastic player in his own right. No pun intended. And, uh, and I think he's just going to be another great piece to add to a, a pretty strong young development squad that the Canadians now have moving off of their core very quickly that one that made it to the cup final to or just last year. Uh, and, and that, that'll be a, that'll be a great addition to the division, just making it extra difficult for the Leafs for the next 10 years, which is just, it's so great. It's so great. Yeah. In a world where the lightning and the Panthers and the Bruins somehow all fall apart, I would love to have an Atlantic division led by the Leafs um senators and canadians like there's going to be tough teams against us we have plundered the draft um between 2014 2017 maybe no i guess 2012 i'm thinking riley nylander marner matthews Uh, it's other teams turns now the senators done their share of plundering probably looking to step up the canadians are in line for that i think that could be really fun I just hope this Tampa team self-destructs before uh, the benefits of that reaping come in for those two teams. And maybe we'll have some Canadian fun in the Atlantic division. I feel like it's been, well, we had that rivalry last playoffs. Um, I enjoyed that. So I wouldn't mind more of it. So from my perspective, good on you to the Montreal Canadiens and good luck making something of it. That'll do it for hockey. Uh, we'll we'll move into the NBA here, which is setting itself up to be a very fun watch this weekend as well. After no game sevens in the first round, we do still have the potential for all four series. Incorrect. COVID brain. Blaming COVID brain. <laughs> Three of the four series to go to a game seven. Um, we already have one locked in between the Phoenix Suns and the Dallas Mavericks after Dallas taking advantage of home court on their side. And again, really being physical and taking it to Phoenix as they did in the, uh, in games three and four. And Luca is fantastic, which we've always known, but I think the real story of this series has been the, the fall of Chris Paul now in the last few games um, Dallas making it very apparent that they were trying to attack him a lot early in the series, make him work, wear him down. And that could be part of it. I also imagine there could be an injury involved, but some of the quick stats now I don't have in front of me off the top of my head is the last four games of the series. He's averaging under 10 points a game uh, and, and four and a half turnovers a game which is what you can't have from your so-called point God. And so that's been a big, big indicator of this series. And, and Dallas has done its job to win all of its home games. And now they just need a couple breaks in a one game take all on the road. And it, it's going to be very, very interesting to see how this one plays out. Absolutely. Uh, I think after game three or four, you said there's no way Chris Paul has seven turnovers again. You're sort of right. Devin Booker had a season-high eight turnovers in this last game. Uh, Booker and Paul combining for 13. And um, the Mavericks with just six versus the Suns, 22. That really the story of this game in one stat. Um, Just such a large discrepancy. 
in playoff basketball is going to make the difference. And I don't know how defensively the Mavericks made uh, Paul and Booker so obsolete, but I can hardly remember their play through the second, third, and parts of the fourth quarter. Um, Booker able to get some quick points in transition, but nothing going from the three. And uh, they just really forced the ball out of their hands with the double teams anytime either of those two touched it. And the rest of the Suns, who we've talked about the depth of this team, um, but no one was able to make the right decision with the ball consistently enough and step up and find the players in rotation, attack the space once the Mavericks took um Booker and Paul out uh, offensively on the other end Luca of course just ridiculous I mean he has to win a couple rings and go a couple years deeper before the fact that he's the second leading all-time playoff points per game uh, person really has an impact with uh, Michael Jordan being number one on the list he just keeps the engine running this Mavericks they don't stall they they don't go they didn't have any like offensive five six minute stretches without points that really kills your momentum as a team and when Luke is off Brunson does just as good of a job keeping it going uh, this Dallas team just never really faltering offensively staying at their slow steady pace um, not terrifyingly efficient but good enough when you combine it with that ferocious defense. Really impressive stuff from the Mavericks. Jason Kidd deserves so much credit for what we're seeing from this team in the playoffs. Um, mm-hmm. Brunson, too, uh, just to circle back, I wanted he's basically playing the role that Dinwiddie played when they acquired for him. And uh, let's Dinwiddie join like Dorian Finney Smith, Maxi Kleba. Uh, there's one more name I'm forgetting in there. Just the wing players who are like the supporting cast doing perfect things for Dallas. Uh, I'm really excited for this game seven. This Suns team, Devin Booker has not played a game seven in the playoffs yet. The Suns team coming off a historic regular season. They face adversity against the Pelicans more than they were expecting. You knew the Mavericks would be a bit more of a handful, uh, but game seven, the, the way they've been shut down offensively, a lot of ad- adversity the Suns have not yet had to face. And I think there's some questions they haven't been asked and that inexperience versus the Mavs ferocity has me kind of leaning, hoping into Dallas's favor for this game 7-0. I'm still going to go with Phoenix as the home team. The home team has won every game in this series and Uh, Unless Chris Paul really is hurt, I don't expect him to play poorly in this final game here. I expect Devin Booker to step up and I just, this is, it's a better overall team. Um, And with Aiton as well, being the X factor with more size, I just, I think Phoenix is going to be able to squeak this one out, but it's going to be really, really entertaining. And it's hard not to cheer for Luca in a sense. So I wouldn't want to say it officially, but I kind of hope I'm wrong here. Yeah, just every time Booker or Chris Paul had a chance to make a play and the Mavericks could do something about it and force it into someone else's hands, they did. Um, Aiton is like 20 points, 10 plus rebounds, hyper efficient as usual in that game. It's just, I don't see him hitting 30. Uh, The Suns aren't forcing that style of play. So I like the Mavericks for this one. I'm probably going to eat it, but I'm going with it. All right.
big, big take there uh, as we move along to our diff- our next series. Um, I guess where do we want to go yet next? We'll stay in the West uh, with game six tonight between the Grizzlies and the Warriors. Uh, a blowout in Memphis. Um, they're playing whoop that trick. Draymond's dancing to it because the Warriors starters got taken out very early in this game. The lead got up to 50 at one point, I believe. Uh, really shocking that a team can get blown out that bad in game five of a playoff series. But I'm surprisingly not not worried about where the Warriors sit. I know no Ja Morant, and they may have taken this Memphis team a little bit lightly in that sense. A Memphis team that's 20-2 and two without Ja on the regular season. Um, but but there's still that fight in that team, and they maybe share the ball a little bit better, and they maybe defend a little bit better with John Morant not on the floor. But we'll see once Golden State really dials it in, slows down their offense, if if they're able to have one guy who's able to create at the same level of Ja. And I'm, I'm looking forward to seeing that in game six in Golden State. Steve Kerr also a pretty big factor in just controlling that pace and settling things down for the Warriors. All right. Moving on here to the East. Miami closing the door on the 76ers season, which led to a very entertaining post-series press conference by Doc Rivers, by Joel Embiid, by James Harden. Harden says he'll be back next year. Who knows what number that'll be. Doc Rivers saying that uh, Miami was obviously the better team and that there were no expectations for Philadelphia at the beginning of the season or at the beginning of his tenure. Um, James Harden did not take a shot in the second half after being acquired for a guy that everyone uh, attacked for not taking an important shot. Pretty crazy how the, the season has come full circle for the Philadelphia 76ers can't blame Joel Embiid. He works his butt off. He is the most physically imposing and physically abused player on the court at all times. And despite our disdain for his flopping and theatrics, you know, he really cares and it's apparent that Harden does not. And that can be very disappointing for a player of his magnitude. Um, and we're just going to have to see where Philadelphia goes from here. They're, they're stuck with Harden. They've got Embiid and Maxi, which is a fantastic tandem. But can they upgrade at any of the other role player positions to truly make this team top, top contender with Embiid, of course, at the peak of his powers? It, with Embiid, he's a monster. But this game six told me he's a human monster. Um, I, I wish I'd kept account of how many times he fell on the floor, but it had to be at least eight. You could tell he was just so exhausted. Uh, he had so little to give just in the second round of game six. Um, so not even halfway through the playoffs or like what would be a championship playoff run, um, which just speaks to how involved he has to be every night for the 76ers team and how far he's taken them on his back so far just to that point. Um, and he took them through the first half. Um, Harden had a couple of 
moments, a couple step back threes and open looks, a bit more playmaking in that first half, but it was mostly Embiid through that first half. Whereas on the other side, sometimes it was Jimmy Butler, for a bit it was Max Strauss, for a bit it was Tyler Harrow, other players stepping up in bits as well. And just a more shared balance load offensively for the Heat had them a lot fresher going into that second half. And then the 76ers offense just fell apart. It it was like they forgot all their sets uh, and they were just playing street ball out there. Like, you have it. You take the shot. You've got the ball. Okay, no, I'll pass it to you. Now you do it. Like, there was no team motion. Um, This team really just, I think, um, you talk about the leadership of the team and Embiid, no doubt, gave it his all until he had nothing left to give. That was apparent on the defensive end, I thought, in the first half. Uh, Miami had way too easy a time in the paint with his presence, sometimes just five feet away from the ball. And as he just lost his energy, you saw the 76ers not really have any energy to give on their offensive end. And then the Heat just like tripling, quadrupling that energy on their own defensive end. I thought the Heat weren't even that great offensively in the second half, like Jimmy Butler missing a lot of free throws, Uh, Tucker missing corner threes that he's usually good for. Max Strauss, after having a great first half, just went one for seven in the second half. Tyler Hero only played five minutes. Um, This Heat team didn't do crazy, terrifying things offensively. And whoever their matchup in the Eastern Conference Finals is, I have them to lose um, but the defensive effort just outdogged what the 76ers were capable of mustering up offensively. And that was really, I don't know, I normally laugh at the Philadelphia crowd for the booing and heckling they give their team. Like, how on earth are you helping anyone by doing that? But uh, there's one stretch with like four minutes left to play in the game. And my, the Heat got three offensive rebounds in a row, I think. It was just such ugly give-up basketball. Uh, that fourth quarter, after a brutal third quarter, the 76ers giving up, like, six free, free, like, dunks in transition, not even contested layups, um, like, regular season shit level of effort. And, yeah, I, I think Embiid is everything you could ask for in a franchise player. I the negotiating with Harden will be interesting if he can still hit that max at this point in his deal. Uh, the role-playing, not terrible, I feel like, but... <laughs> oh, I saw this earlier. Uh, I was rambling there, so I'm good to move off that series and just laugh well, at the Los Angeles Chargers uh, making their schedule release video an anime. Um, the tweet, yes, 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 in the shape of a giant no, just the cherry on top. I don't know if you watched it all the way through, but there are plenty of Easter eggs and troll jobs in there that are quite hilarious. Um, most notably, the Atlanta Falcon running into a Waffle House sign and the Waffle House sign saying 28% off when you buy three or more. Uh, Of course, a 28 to three reference in the Super Bowl. Lots of good nuggets in there, Uh, but we're not done with the NBA storylines. I threw that over to Max in case he hadn't seen it. Um, 
But the last game here, probably the best series. And I think the winner of this series is, is going to be my title favorite, just with how physical it is, how great these two teams are. And the Milwaukee Bucks have one of the best wins probably in their franchise's history, just in terms of going on the road into a very difficult building to play in and gutting it out. They were down by 10 with about five minutes left in this game. But watching it on on TV, it didn't, it didn't feel like they were out of it. And they made things so, so difficult for Boston down the stretch. It was a lot of tough, contested fadeaways from Jason Tatum, a uh, couple of fouls there, but they did not give up anything easy down the stretch. And Giannis, <laughs> what can you really do about him? It's, it's, it's unbelievable how he still manages to have the most energy out of anyone on the court when he plays the hardest at all times. And he was able to blow by uh, Horford for a layup late, and he hit an unbelievably clutch three to put Milwaukee within three. They get a stop. In transition, the ball finds Drew Holiday for another clutch shot, and he's been taking a ton of volume shots, but making some big ones without Chris Middleton. And that was that was the thing is that we felt they were really going to struggle without him, and they have, but somehow they're getting just enough from all of these other guys and piecing it together and being really great defensively to keep these games tight. And if you're the Celtics that is a crushing loss that got away from you because you had the lead. You had a couple opportunities to seal it with the ball. Marcus Smart getting just blocked into oblivion by Drew Holiday, just throwing the defensive player of the year back in his face, blocking it, but not only blocking it, stealing it from him, then throwing it off of him, winning possession. And then Marcus Smart again, Obviously, not much he could do in those final seconds with the half-court heave, but just getting stripped by Drew there as well. Um, just masterclass in defense in the in the final quarter from Drew Holiday, and you got to wonder if he can keep up that same intensity for Game 6 and then potentially Game 7, but we are in for an absolute treat tomorrow between the Bucks and the Celtics in Game 6. And yeah, the Celtics, it, it, it will be all time. Another big franchise moment for them to get down, get back up from this gut punch and, and rally and still waiting for that all time great Tatum game. And who knows if game six will be the one. It's been a trend of everyone not named Luca and Giannis this playoffs, not really looking like themselves. <clears throat> Yeah, but that's why those two guys were put at near the top of our list at the beginning of the year. And I think Tatum's definitely ascended into that category, but this is where the true ascension happens. You can be a top five player in the regular season. And he has been great in the playoffs. I'm not saying he hasn't been great, but we're looking for that, that one game, that career-defining game that sets you on a trajectory to be with those greats, right? The top 75 was a big theme of this year. And Giannis is already on that list. And Luca, I think we've overhyped some of his current accomplishments, but you can just see the fact that he's going to be on that list. And I think Tatum has a shot to be on that list. 
but it's going to take an awesome game tomorrow night yeah, to, it, to set that, that course. Well, Tatum was fantastic against the Nets. It's not been all playoffs. Um, and, and we were talking about Booker and Chris Paul earlier, who had a great first round against the Pelicans. It's been, and we go back to KD and Kyrie as well. It's been when you go against a team that's really locked in on the playoff intensity on defense, this whole team is on the same page, moving as one, making the switches, hitting the star players with the double, triple teams, forcing the ball out of their hands. What can those star players do? And all those players I've mentioned have really stumbled at that at times. And, I guess we only know it was fatal so far for KD and Kyrie. The jury's still out on the others, but I'm loving it. We will get to see it tonight and tomorrow. Great NBA action, great NHL action. We'll wrap up here with just about three minutes left. A little bit of tennis talk. Max, what you got? After several attempts, Denis Shapovalov finally overcomes the hurdle known as Rafael Nadal. After uh, last year, I think it was Madrid, not Rome, but still a clay 1000 event. He goes up a set on Nadal, drops the second two. At the Australian this year, plays a thrilling five setter. I think I get him and Felix missed, messed up. I think Shapa went down 0-2, tied it 2-2, and then lost the fifth set. Regardless, this one, he goes down the first set, takes the next two. Fine. I think... I don't know if that was his first career win over Rafael Nadal, but he's had a couple rough ones over the past 400 calendar days or so. Really happy to see him get that win, uh, though he does lose in the next round against Casper Rudd. Um, right above him in the bracket, Felix Auger-Aliassime losing against Novak Djokovic. So Rudd and Djokovic will be playing the semifinal pretty much at the time this podcast goes up. And then on the bottom half, we have Zverev and Tsitsipas running it back again. That's nice to see as we're in our fifth month, I think. I think fifth 1,000 event of the year. Uh, those top five, top 10 seeds are finally starting to consistently run deep. Like I said, Zverev, Tsitsipas, uh, both making it. Uh, last week at Madrid as well, where Zverev won. Uh, Djokovic obviously loved to see our Canadians doing it. All of them just beating the guys they should be beating, uh, which after getting the reps in throughout the year, you like to see that consistently right in time for Grand Slam season. So nice run to the quarters for our Canadians uh, and two fantastic matchups there in the semis. Uh, but the story or the biggest name in the tennis world right now, still the guy who's not playing, Carlos Alcaraz. So it's uh, about to try and determine some legitimacy to challenge that title at the French. Very, very exciting. Looking forward to that. And that's going to do it for this one. The next time you hear us will be potentially an emergency podcast. We shall see about that. We're less than a minute to go here, so just want to thank everyone so much for listening. Max, any final thoughts besides the Chargers anime schedule release? Uh, one of these days, if we keep it on the 40 minutes, I'm going to cut out as I'm saying this. <laughs> I don't think it's going to be today, though. I'm still talking. I have nothing left to say, so Sports Next Door signing out. <laughs>